Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This will be for Judges chapter 16. We're still uh, talking about Samson. Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in, and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all the night, saying in the morning, When it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay until midnight, and arose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah, which means the weak or longing one, by Edersheim. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means he may, we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and he will, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs, or new cords, fresh or moist, sinews from animals, that were never dried, then shall I be weak, and be as other men. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up unto her seven green withs, with, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the withs, as a thread of tow is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me, and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me with fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak, and be as, other, be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes, and bound him therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait, abiding in the chamber, and he brake them from off his arms like a thread. Either he's really dumb, or he's just kind of messing with her and likes to tease her and, you know, just, just playing. I think the latter's probably more likely, right? He couldn't have been that dumb. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me, and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, in other words, web of the loom, and she fastened it with the pin, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep, and went away with the pin of the beam, and with, his, and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast, thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed with unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak, and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and brought money in their hand. 
And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. So, okay, we'll explain what's going on here in a minute. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep, and said, I will go out as, a, as at other times before, and shake myself, and be wise, or... And he wist or knew not that the Lord was had departed from him. At last it was it has come and has opened his heart to Delilah, and she knows it. But Scripture puts the true explanation of the matter before us, in its usual emphatic manner, yet with such manifest avoidance of seeking for effect, that only the careful, devout reader will trace it. The facts are as follows: When Samson betrays his secret to Delilah, he says, "If I be shaven." then my strength be gone from me. Uh, whereas when the event actually takes place, Scripture explains it, he what not that Jehovah was departed from him. In this contrast between his fond con- conceit about his own strength and the fact that it was due to the presence of Jehovah lies the gist of the whole matter. As one writes, the superhuman strength of Samson lay not in his uncut hair, but in this, that Jehovah was with him. But Jehovah was with him only so long as he kept his Nazarite vow. Or, in the words of the old German commentator, the whole misery of Samson arose from this, that he appropriated to himself what God had done through him. God allows his strength to be destroyed, that in bitter experience he might learn how without God's presence he was nothing at all. And so our falls always teach us best But as ever, sin proves the hardest taskmaster. Every indignity is heaped on fallen Samson. His eyes are put out. He is loaded with fetters of brass and set to the lowest prison work of slaves. And here also the history of Samson finds its parallel in that of blinded Israel with the judgment of bondage, degradation, and suffering consequent upon their great nation or upon their great national sin of casting aside their Nazarite vows. And that was by Edersheim. Verse 21, But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison's house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. So they kind of ignore him here. Blessed be God, neither the history nor its parallel stops here, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The sacred text expressly has it, and the hair of his head began to grow as it was shorn. That is, so soon as it had been shorn, then began a period of godly sorrow and repentance, evidenced both by the return of God to him and by his last deed of faith in which for his people he sacrificed his life. Herein also, following the great antitype, though afar off, we imagine that the lad who led him to the pillars on which the house of Dagon rested was a Hebrew cognizant of Samson's hopes and prayers, and who immediately, after having placed him in the fatal position, left the temple and then carried the tidings of Samson's brethren. That was by Edersheim. Verse 23, Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our god hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god, for they said, Our god hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. Notice that it's not really that Jehovah um, caused this to happen, but that Jehovah just let it happen. In other words, he stood aside as Samson declared that he he was his own strength of himself and that he didn't give credit to God. And and it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that we may have that we make make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. 
And Samson said unto the lad that, led, that, held, that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. Notice uh, that there's a lot on the on the top. That, that must be a pretty large building. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, and of the one with his right hand, and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Bible scholars believe that the lad was probably a Hebrew and after placing Samson in between the pillars left the temple. It is a high day in Gaza from all their cities which the or have the priests of the Philistines come up. From all the country around have the people gathered. The temple of the god Dagon, the fish god, protector of the sea, is festively adorned and thronged. Below the lords of the Philistines and all the chief men of the people are feasting at the sacrificial meal. Above, along the roof, the gallery all around is crowded by three thousand men and women who look down on the spectacle beneath. It is a feast of thanksgiving to Dagon of triumph to Philistia of triumph against Jehovah and his people. And over captive Samson, the image of Dagon, the body of a fish with the head and hands of a man, which less than twenty years before had fallen and been broken before the ark of Jehovah, stands once more proudly defying the God of Israel. And now the mirth and revelry have reached their highest point. Samson is brought in and placed in the middle of the temple between the central pillars which uphold the immense roof and the building itself. A few words whispered to his faithful Hebrew servant, and Samson's arms encircle the massive pillars, and then an un and then an unuttered agonizing cry of repentance of faith from the Nazarite, once more such who will not only subordinate self to the nation and to his calling, but surrender life itself. Blind Samson is groping for a new light, and the brightness of another morning is already girding or gilding his, his horizon. With all his might he bows himself, the pillars reel and give way. With one terrible crash fall roof and gallery, temple and image of Dagon, and in the ruins perish the, with Samson the lords of the Philistines and the flower of the people. Now was by Edersheim again. Verse 31, Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Ashtael in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel twenty years. The character of this building is illustrated by discoveries of Ge at Gezer and Gaza. The roof was supported by wooden pillars set on stone bases. It was flat, consisting of logs of wood stretching from one wall to beams supported by the pillars and from those beams to other beams or to the opposite wall. The temple at Gezer had a forecourt leading into a paved inner chamber separated from it by four circular stones on which the wooden pillars stood. Samson probably stood between the two central pillars. If there were more than two, the, Philistines, the Philistine lords and ladies were in the inner chamber. The crowd watched from the roof. Samson made sport in the forecourt and then asked the boy to lead him to the central pillars to rest against them. Then, putting an arm around each and bending forward so as to force them out of their per perpendicular, he brought the roof down. The weight of people on the roof may have made the feat all the easier. Samson did not at any time attempt to organize the forces of Israel for their liberation as the Lord had called him to do. Samson fought less for Israel than for himself. 
The whole meaning of Samson's history is that, is that he was a Nazarite. His strength lay in being a Nazarite, his weakness in yielding to his carnal lusts, and thereby becoming unfaithful to his calling. In both respects, he was not only a type of Israel, but so to speak a mirror of which Israel could see itself and its history. That was by Edersheim again. So that's the end of chapter 16. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.